0: are continuing our series on encounters with Jesus and we're going to be talking about the story of Lazarus in John 11. So if you want to turn there with me, we're going to dive right in. This is a longer passage and I actually was trying to figure out what parts could I skip to save time and all of that sort of stuff and then I just had this Strong prompting from the Holy Spirit it said read the whole thing because his word is alive and the Holy Spirit is our teacher and our guide and he can teach you things just through reading this that you won't hear from up here so as we read um, my prayer is Holy Spirit would you just come and illuminate come and highlight a word or a phrase, or an image that we read, and go straight to each heart in this room. Would you be our faithful teacher and guide as we read your word? And would you come and give us fresh eyes for this story? We love you in Jesus' name. So, we'll read through this, and then we'll get the bigger picture, and we'll come back and dig in a couple of places there's so much in this story we couldn't possibly cover it all today i actually hope someone will do a part two of this and pick up some of the other pieces because it's so rich and beautiful Um, okay starting in verse one now a man named lazarus was sick he was from bethany the village of mary and her sister martha Now, Jesus loved Mary and Martha, sorry, Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they have seen by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad that I wasn't there so that you may believe, but let's go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. As a side note, I love that the one that we have historically said is the doubter is the one that was willing to go and die with Jesus. That's just a bonus. I'd like that. Um, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. was to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not entered the village yet, but was still at a place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. there's a bad odor for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe he will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth was wrapped around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off his grave clothes and let him go. Like, sit in that for a minute. This man was long dead. There was no hope until Jesus showed up. if we go back to the top of this passage, I think we find the foundation for this entire encounter and every encounter with Jesus ever in verse five, where it says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Everything Jesus does is born out of his love. For his people, for humanity, for his creation, for the world, everything is born out of his love. But the next verse, right after this one, doesn't quite seem to align with that truth. And if I'm honest, has always left me with a bit of friction in my soul. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So he stayed where he was two more days. And not every translation says it this way. Some say he loved them, yet he stayed. One says, although he loved them, he stayed. The message version says he loved them, and oddly, he stayed. (laughs) And the way those read... It's how I've always interpreted that verse. He loved them, but but he didn't drop everything and run straight to them. Why? It's hard to make sense of. And last week, for the first time ever, as I read this passage, that word so stopped me in my tracks. And this beautiful truth settled over my heart that sometimes Jesus waits because he loves us. And it might not make sense, but he loves us. And everything he does is born of that truth. Sometimes he waits because he loves us not in spite of his love for us, not as this incongruent thing where his actions don't match his words, but because, because he loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was two more days. And the same questions and doubts that we face, I'm sure, assailed Martha and Mary during those days of waiting for Jesus to come. Maybe they prayed Psalm 13. How long, O oh Lord? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? How long will I have this sorrow in my heart day after day after day? Maybe they asked, Where are you? When will you come and help? And in my experience, the longer we wait, the louder that voice gets that says, if he really loved you, he'd be here by now. But that is the voice of the enemy who desperately wants us to be convinced that we are unloved and he's not coming and every time we hear that voice we can combat it with the truth I am loved and everything Jesus does is born of his love he actually displayed that love and what he spoke about in John 15, just a few days later, right before he arrested, he was arrested, he said, greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. And when Jesus goes back to Bethany, we see it in that chunk of scripture, verses 8 to 16. When he went back, He did so fully knowing he would die if he went back there. He faced certain death. The Jews had tried to stone him the last time he was there, and his friends were like, Jesus, we cannot go back to that town. They will kill you. And then we saw them come to the place of saying, okay, if you're going, we'll go with you. But we know what we're walking into. So Jesus willingly goes and shows this demonstration that he will lay down his life for his friend Lazarus in order to give Lazarus life. And that's such a beautiful prophetic picture of what would happen in the days to come when Jesus would willingly lay down his life for all the world. And this moment with Lazarus gives us this zoomed-in view of the love and the intimacy and the friendship that propelled Jesus to the cross. It was personal. He felt about you the same way he felt about Lazarus when he went and faced death to bring him to life. And I have to tell you guys, I chose this story because I have this deep heart connect with Lazarus and this affection for what he represents. His story has been an anchor for me and my family when things were really hard. But this week as I've been preparing, I I don't know, I think something in me thought this will be easy-ish for me to talk about because I know it. But I severely underestimated what the Lord wanted to do. In my own heart, and what do you want to say to all of you? I know these things to be true. Jesus loves me. He willingly died for me. He laid down his life so I could be alive. And yet, the Lord has been revealing to me over the past few days that somewhere along this way, along the way, this little seed was planted and has taken root This thought that as a follower of Jesus, I'm expected to endure suffering for the sole purpose of giving God glory. Like Jesus needs me or expects me or you to suffer through something to make himself look good. Like he needs some sort of painful sacrifice for his glory to be bigger. Like, stay in the tomb a few more days, Lazarus. Mary and Martha, grieve your brother a bit more, but don't worry about your pain because when I come, the glory spectacle that I'm going to put on display will make you forget all about your suffering. And I realize how that sounds as I'm saying it out loud. Like it confronted me this week that this little thread had been woven into my faith. This little lie that maligns the character of God. He is not a narcissist. And he's not cruel, And we're not pawns in his glory game. And he doesn't write off our pain and suffering as like the cost of doing his business. That's not who he is. He does not sacrifice us for his own gain, he sacrifices himself for ours. The resurrection of Lazarus was not a sensational magic trick that brought God glory. Lazarus becoming alive was the thing that brought God glory. God's people becoming alive, living in the fullness of life, is what glorifies him. Jesus himself said it. In John 10:10, 10, 10, "I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly." Isn't it interesting that this story is about a crazy supernatural thing that happened to Lazarus, yet we never hear from him. We never get his perspective on anything. We don't know what his experience was like you would think that it would be an opportunity for a really powerful testimony. And I, I am so curious about the details of his story. Like, if we, if this is a thing in heaven where we get to request dinner and a Q&A with someone, I am absolutely making a reservation at Lazarus' table. Because I have a lot of questions. Like, What kind of sickness did you have? Did it come on suddenly? How long were you sick? Most, the thing that I'm most curious about, what were you doing for four days while you were dead? Like, what was he doing? What was he seeing and experiencing and hearing? And when he woke up in his earthly body again, was he disappointed? Or overjoyed? Or maybe a little both? I mean, if it's me and I'm booping around heaven for four days, I don't really want to wake up in a tomb again. I don't want to come back here. (laughs) But with all of that and as much as it stirs my curiosity and wonder, I think the fact that the story isn't actually centered on Lazarus means there's a bigger truth for us to grasp from it. And that is that in the midst of all the questions that we have and all the answers that we don't have and all the things we don't understand, we can be certain of this, that wherever Jesus goes, death is swallowed up by life, both literally and figuratively. This resurrection wasn't a one-off for Jesus and his followers. There are multiple accounts in the New Testament of people being raised from the dead, like being restored to actual life, physical life here on the earth. In addition to Lazarus, there was the widow's son in Luke 7. We have Jairus' daughter in Luke 8. Tabitha in Acts 9 and Eutychus in Acts 20, and of course Jesus himself. And then in Matthew 27:50, this is mind-blowing. When Jesus was on the cross, it says, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. You talk about questions. I've got some questions about that sign me up for another dinner. Did these people move back home? How long did they stay alive after this? I mean, so many questions. But here's what we know. The moment Jesus gave up his life, the dead were raised. He conquered death so completely that the tombs in his city couldn't even stay closed. People could not stay there. They had to come into new life. And that is the whole of the gospel. Jesus chose to die so that you could be alive in every way. always swallows up death with his life so that is the crux of everything we believe everything we do is centered on that belief we believe in a God who can literally raise the dead and I'm not talking about crashing on the ER table and being shocked back to life kind of dead I'm talking about dead for four days spirit has left the body there is no brain function there is no pulmonary function there is no circulation there is nothing dead and he can bring that person back to life And yet again, I have to confess that as I'm preparing for this, I'm sitting at my computer, I'm writing it out, Jesus can raise the dead. And it just hits me, the absurdity of this. Do I really believe that he can do this? Am I really going to stand up in front of all my friends and say, He can bring a dead person to life. And as I was chatting with Jonathan when we were preparing for today, he said something that haunted me. It's just been washing over me. This question. Like we have this thing that says, I believe... God can do that but he doesn't either he doesn't do it anymore or he doesn't do it here or he doesn't do it for me I believe he can like fill in the blank I believe he can raise the dead or heal the sick Miraculous things. But there's that little thing in us that says, but he doesn't. And so I've had some very honest conversations with the Lord about all of this. And I've come to the place of sitting with him and he whispers over and over and over I can and I do I can and I do and I've come to the place where I can say honestly I deeply want to really truly at the very core of who I am believe that thing that you can and you do. You raise the dead. And I felt his kindness as he came near, as I just laid it out before him and said, Jesus, I want so desperately to truly believe this, and I want to live a life that is marked by this kind of faith. but help me I am weak and I'm human come and help me believe he is the author and perfecter of our faith so when we ask him to come and help us believe he comes and he helps us believe he is so faithful to do that Every bit of our belief, every level of it, is a gift of His grace. No matter where we are, our faith in Him is a gift from Him. God, help us believe. He can and He does. He raises the dead just like He did Lazarus, and He brings us fully alive. And it turns out we were actually made for this very thing. 2 Corinthians 5, 4 and 5 says, We groan and are burdened because we wish to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. And the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God who has given us his spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what's to come. We were made to carry the life-giving resurrection presence of Jesus in such a way that every dead thing around us comes to life. Everything gets swallowed up by life. He put this power on us and in us when he sent his spirit To live with us and then John 14 when Jesus says very truly I tell you whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing which is raise the dead heal the sick cast out demons perform miracles bring life whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these. Can you wrap your mind around that? What might he have in store for us? If his life-giving presence can swallow up death, both literally and figuratively like in our lives, make us fully alive, full freedom, what might he do? If we truly believe this, what might he do? If we start asking him for greater things, how might he show up? If that is the kind of faith and the kind of walk that he's offering, I want it. Don't you? Don't you want every bit of it? The mind-blowing love of God washing over people, radiating his presence in you and through you to bring people and things to life, to bring people into wholeness and wellness and freedom and flourishing to meet people in their most desperate moment like only he can. It's my prayer this morning that we would just want it. We would want more, more than we've seen, more than we've experienced, more than we've imagined, that we would just want more. Band, you guys can come on back up. I'm actually gonna have you go ahead and stand as we wrap up this morning. In Mark nine twenty three, Jesus says, All things are possible for one who believes. So wherever you find yourself on that spectrum of faith whether you're crying out for the greater things like you're believing you're in your faith is higher than it's ever been or whether you're like Jesus I'm I want to believe it help me help me believe and anywhere and everywhere in between I just sense that he wants to come near this morning and that he wants to meet you in that place and give you this gift of faith and of life. I think he wants to speak that thing over us. All things are possible. All things. Every single thing is possible in him. There is nothing that is impossible with him. Say it every which way you have to say it to get it drilled into your heart. All things are possible. And he wants to give it to you. He wants to glorify himself through your abundant life. He can literally raise the dead. And he can bring you fully alive. So this morning, if you need prayer about anything at all, Whether it's you need more faith, you want resurrection power, you need healing, freedom, whatever it is, I just sense that he wants to pour out this spirit of faith that it will rise up in you and that he will do miraculous things in you and for you today. Our prayer team will be down here. If you want to pray, please come. They would love to do that. Or grab somebody next to you. But whatever it is he's doing in your heart this morning, press in, engage, respond, talk to him. And when you hit that thing that says, That's not possible, I have no hope for that thing. Let that be the dashboard light that goes, all things are possible. Alert, alert, all things are possible. So as we worship him this morning, just respond to him. However, he's speaking to you. Let's just worship for a bit.